anticipation. 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 What, what does that mean? Webster's Dictionary defines anticipation as a feeling of excitement about something that is going to happen. Now, when I say anticipation, I don't mean Arkansans looking for a white Christmas. Friends, that's an illusion. No, we might as well just kick off the sandals and call it another day at the beach. No, that's, that's not something to anticipate because it ain't going to happen. No, to anticipate means to give the idea of leaning forward or to look forward to something that is going to happen. It's the picture of a passionate sports fan on the edge of their seats before the big rival game. It's the picture of a proud groom gazing at his beloved bride as she walks down the aisle in that beautiful wedding dress. It's the picture of a giddy mom or dad standing in the driveway waiting for their grown children to come back home for the holidays. It's the picture of a young girl or boy sitting at the top of the stairs like a wild animal about to pounce on their prey. They're ready to tear open the first gift they see under the Christmas tree tomorrow morning. Friends, we all know what anticipation is, right? We've all been eager as we've waited on something. It's those inner feelings of excitement as you wait for an event or that special someone you're just dying to meet. It's those butterflies in the stomach. It becomes more intense as the day draws near. It's, it's the ongoing musing of a scene in your mind. In the mind of your little world, it, it's, you're the recipient of the good news in these thoughts. You're the hero of the story in these thoughts. You get to control every factor of the circumstance in your thoughts. And because of that, you anticipate that something coming to fruition just how you imagined it, but in real life. But when you're really anticipating something, it's your first thought when you wake up. It's what you daydream about. It's what you're thinking about just to pass the time. It's the thing you're thinking about even just for a little more time as you're lying in bed at night with a big smile on your face right before you go to sleep. Maybe it's the anticipation of a vacation you planned long in advance, or perhaps something even quite small, like the smell of coffee or bacon in the morning. It could be a whole number of things we're anticipating. The thrill of knowing a new Marvel movie has come out again for the 27th time. The 60th minute, 60 minute wait in line at Disney for the 15 second ride that will soon be gone before you know it. The weeks and months of planning for a wedding, the nine months of a woman pregnant with her first child, the intense studying for hours for the final exams, and then the anxious waiting to see your scores posted online. 
Maybe you've been eagerly anticipating what CCBC's first Christmas Eve service would be like. Well, here it is. Did it meet your expectations? Anticipation is a common experience to all of us. But not all of us anticipate the same things happening in our lives. And even if we did anticipate the same things, we we all anticipate the same things for the same reasons. But either way, what we anticipate reveals what we value. What we believe will bring us peace and happiness to our lives. What we anticipate reveals what we feel our lives are currently lacking. And we're hoping that that nagging hole in our hearts will be filled. What we anticipate reveals what we think about God and what we think about what he's promised us in his Messiah that he has sent. So friends, what do you find yourself anticipating in life? What did you anticipate to happen in 2021? Did it come true? What do you find yourself anticipating next year in 2022? If you have a copy of God's Word, please open your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, if you're using one of the chair Bibles provided, which there should be one in front of you, uh, you can find that on page 517. And if you don't have a Bible that you can read at home, uh, please take that Bible as a gift from our church to you. We hope that would be a wonderful blessing to begin reading the Bible even this upcoming year. Uh, Thousands of years ago, the Jewish people throughout the nation of Israel, and including the Jews that were scattered throughout all different towns and cities and countries, were in a long season of anticipation. They were anticipating God fulfilling his promise to send a Messiah or a Savior who would deliver them from their enemies, one that would reign victoriously and successfully as God's anointed king forever ever on the throne of David, one that would restore all that had been lost in the exiles and persecutions of the past, one that would bring them endless peace and security, one that would give them a hope and a future of better things still to come. They awaited the Messiah that would come to give light to those who sit in darkness the one that would humble the proud and exalt the lowly, the one that would correct all injustices and vindicate his holy name and his covenant people before all the nations. Friends, this is the one that would bring sinners like us into peace and perfect fellowship and to receive all the blessings that our good heavenly Father has for us. This is the God of Abraham. This is the God of Isaac. This is the God of Jacob. Friends, this is the God of all the earth. So when did this Messiah show up? When he actually revealed himself as God had promised in the scriptures long ago, the question before us is this. Did the one God had sent 
who was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, match what the people have been anticipating the Messiah to be? Did he fulfill all they were hoping for that God's anointed would be for them when he showed up on the scene? Well, in the prologue of John's gospel, John introduces us to the Messiah. John introduces us to who he is and where he is from. But unlike the other gospel writers of Matthew and Luke, John doesn't talk about what we might consider the traditional Christmas story. John doesn't begin the gospel of their, his writings with a manger or a baby. He doesn't begin with wise men or a human genealogy or even the virgin birth. Rather, he begins his gospel by telling us that Jesus, as God's Son, has existed in eternity past. In other words, before there was a baby in the manger, the Son of God always was because he is truly God who has always been. We read in John 1, verses 1 to 3, of how Jesus, the human baby, who grew up to be a man, was also the Word who always was. John 1, starting in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without him was not anything that was made. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was born of a virgin, lying in a lowly and dirty manger. He is the Word who always was. In fact, John tells us that everything that you and I see in the universe came into existence as a result of the Word's handiwork, his craftsmanship his artwork. Think about it for a minute. The stars, where did they come from? The galaxies, the planets, the oceans, human beings, plants, animals, the Milky Way, gravity, molecules, and wind. Friends, everything that exists in life, visible and invisible, everything that scientists have spent their entire career studying everything that Netflix documentaries like Blue Planet and the Discovery Channel have spent hours and hours and millions and millions of dollars capturing on camera. All of this came through the skillful hand and infinitely wise hands of the Word. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. That means John opens up his gospel by teaching us that the Christmas story is ultimately about the creator stepping into time and human history of his creation, the word the God-man left the eternal praise and endless glory of countless myriads of angels. And he came to this dark and twisted world to restore 
and make new what sinful creatures like us have wreaked havoc upon in God's world. Kids, have your parents ever told you, I want you to keep your rooms clean? Carson, you tracking? I want you to leave your rooms and the living room exactly the way you found it. Has your mom and dad ever said that? Kids, would you agree with me? Your mom and dad have told you that? Well, that's somewhat like what God told our first parents to do. He told Adam and Eve they were to enjoy and work, keep clean and keep in order his creation by trusting him, by imaging him, by doing what he commanded. But they didn't do that. They chose to take matters into their own hands and listen to a different voice, to a different word. They disobeyed God and disregarded his word. They listened to the enemy of God's people, Satan, who embodied that deceitful and talking snake we read about earlier in Genesis chapter 3. Friends, if you're here today and you're new to reading the Bible and you've ever asked the question, or maybe you have objections to Christianity because of suffering in the world and evil in the world, and you've ever wondered, well, where did it all begin? How did this world get twisted if it was created good by a good God? How did it become so messed up along the way? Well, Genesis chapter 3 tells us the story about how the world experienced death, where mankind began his own death roll into sin and chaos. And you would think that the people that this God-man came to rescue and restore, they would have been happy to receive him, right? They've seen death, they've seen suffering, they've seen disappointment, they've seen things not come true that they hoped for. How do you think they should have responded to God's fulfillment of this promise. If God had been truly faithful to send the light into the world, into our darkness, don't you think the natural response would be to go to the light? Well, if you think of that, if that's what you believe, then you have too high of a view of yourself. You have too high of a view of your goodness. You see, sin runs far deeper than just a few rules we've broken or a few foul words we've spoken. Sin is more than just sowing some wild oats in your younger days that you regret later in life. Friends, we are so sinful that if our closest friends knew all the thoughts we've ever had about them, they probably wouldn't be our friends anymore. If your family members knew every thought you've ever had about them, your family might disown you. Friends, that's how sinful we are. We are sinful thick and through, inside and outside. See, see sin is our attempt to reinvent the wheel. It's our attempt to live in God's world and be little gods ourselves. Every time we sin, we're choosing our way over doing God's way. 
in essence, when we sin, we look to heaven and we say, we don't need you, God. And even worse, every time God convicts us of our sin and we don't repent, we don't turn, we don't change, we don't listen, we are looking back at heaven and saying, we don't need you and we don't want you, God. One theologian put it in these grim terms. Sin is man's saying to God throughout life, go away and leave me alone. Hell is God's finally saying to man, you may have your wish. It is God's leaving man to himself as man has chosen. And that's exactly what happened. When the Son of God entered into this world, The ones that were created by God should have worshipped and adored and received God in the flesh. However, he was rejected and spoken evil of by the ones he created. The eternal word through whom the whole world was made was rejected by the ones that he made by his word. The light was not welcomed into the darkness. The world that was made by him and for him did not desire him. God gave them eyes to see to some. Some would believe in him. Some would receive him. And they would see his marvelous and precious glory. And he would make them his children in the process. Look with me at John 1, verses 9 to 14. John 1, verses 9 to 14. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is God's word. Friends, if you do take notes, you want to jot down a few things that you can think about after you've opened up Christmas gifts and had too much to eat tonight and tomorrow? These would be two things I just want you to consider in line of our text. Number one, God the Son came to live with us and die for us so that we might be saved from our sin. God the Son came to live with us and die for us so that we might be saved from our sin. And number two, God the Son came to give us the second birth so that we might see his glory. God the Son came to give us the second birth so that we might see his glory. So friends, if Christ came to live with us and Christ came to die for us that we might be saved, why is it that people in Jesus' day did not receive him? Have you ever thought about that? Some people thought he was a prophet, but nothing more. 
Many thought he was a teacher of the law, but he was not divine. Crowds saw him as a miracle worker who performed supernatural signs, but he had no authority to forgive sins. He was called a demon, insane, guilty of blasphemy, and a perpetual Sabbath breaker. The scriptures say that even his biological half-brothers did not believe in him. And more shockingly, his own disciples were slow to believe who he was and where he came from. But friends, why is it that people even in our day, in Fort Smith, Arkansas in 2021, and in Barling and wherever else you're from, why is it that even maybe someone sitting next to you tonight, why is it that people even in our day still do not receive Jesus and believe in his name? Islam claims that Jesus was a prophet, but he, they reject the doctrine of the Trinity. Jehovah's Witnesses claim that Jesus was Michael the archangel, who became a man and therefore not worthy of our highest worship. Mormons believe Jesus and Satan are spirit brothers. And for that matter, they would be called tritheist. That means they believe in three distinct gods, which is not the Trinity, which is one God and three persons. Others think of Jesus as a good person. He was the best example of a humanitarian, one that was concerned with social issues, one that wanted to alleviate hunger and physical suffering in the world. And then there were others, maybe even you here tonight. You might like the idea of Jesus forgiving you of your sin. You might like the idea of being spared of God's wrath in hell, but you don't want to give your whole life to Jesus. You don't want to carry your cross and follow him. The more you even hear about that, it, it turns you off. Friends, whatever the belief might be, whether it's Islam, whether it's Mormonism, of whether it's a deceived Baptist church member, the same core problem is true for all of us. We reject Christ because of our prideful unbelief. We reject Christ because of our prideful unbelief. Friends, when we reject Christ, we're rejecting God. We're rejecting our maker. Friends, we are sinful through and through. Our thoughts, our hearts are at war with our God. And that means that we try to make believe what this world is supposed to be about with us as the hero of the story. But the Christian worldview says the opposite is true. Christianity unashamedly declares this, there is one God in essence who's revealed himself in three distinct persons. This triune God rules over the universe and sustains it by the word of his power. Friends, the God we worship today exists apart from this world. God has never had a beginning like us because God has always been. And that means, friends, God, though he is outside time and history, the fact that he's entered into our world means he knows everything about us. All the details of our lives, everything that we're going through, he knows. And friends, you can be in real fellowship with this God who knows you. 
You can have peace that the nagging hole in your heart can't be fulfilled by anything else. The guilt and shame that you're trying to cover up by being a good person can be removed by believing in the one he has already sent. The one where eternal life is found in his name. Beloved, if you turn from your sins tonight, believe that God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who grew up to be a man and paid the penalty for our sin. Friends, by faith, you can become one of God's adopted children. You don't have to run around like an orphan in a dark and lost world. You can know a good heavenly father who has sent his beloved son for our salvation. Friends, that's what we read about in John 1, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I would imagine if you have a driver's license on you, you want to show it with your family maybe later, a driver's license doesn't tell us everything about you, but it can tell us some things about you. It can tell us where you live. It can tell us what your height is. It can tell us if you're a heart donor. It can tell us when your license has been expired or is going to expire. But one thing we can find on everyone's driver's license that does tell us quite a bit about you and about me, it's our last name. Our last name is a reputation that touches everyone in our family. You see, a family name goes well beyond just your last name. It, it goes to who your daddy was and your mom's daddy was. And your daddy's daddy's name was. It can tell us a lot about you and a lot about me. Friends, you may even be here tonight and you grew up with a father that you're embarrassed to call your dad. Maybe he was distant. Maybe he was absent. Maybe he was disengaged. Maybe, even, unfortunately, he was unfaithful to your mom or abusive even to you. Friends, you might not even know who your dad is. But do you know what the good news is? If you put your faith in Jesus, you get the greatest dad that's ever been. You get a heavenly father who will love you and care for you and lead you better than any earthly father ever could. And friends, that means we don't need just a fresh start in life. We need this heavenly father to give us a new heart. We're not born again by what family we grew up in, how many times we've been to church or how many verses we can spout off at Christmas. Friends, only God can give us the new birth. Born not of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Friends, our good heavenly father can give you the greatest thing you and I need by trusting in his son, Jesus Christ. You might look at the virgin birth as something hard to believe and put your mind around, but the virgin birth was paving the road for our second birth when we would be given that supernatural heart change made possible by God's Holy Spirit. Oh, my non-Christian friend, if you're here today, come to God on his terms. Come to Jesus Christ and believe all that he says about him. 
Friends, that is the greatest news of what Christmas is really pointing us to. I don't know what you're anticipating to happen this Christmas. I don't know what you're anticipating in 2022 that didn't work out in 2021. But one thing is for certain. The greatest thing we could anticipate has come. God sent his son in the form of a man, truly God and truly man, to make us right with God, to give us a good heavenly father, forgiveness of sins, and eternal inheritance with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. You see, Christmas is certainly a day to anticipate. Now, depending on who you are, it's a day. For some of you, it's a whole week. For others, it might be months you anticipate every year. Christmas is a unique time for millions and maybe even billions of people around the world. I mean, if you pull out your Google calendar, you even have Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, office closed, school is closed. Every year, we look in our calendars and we see days blocked out. Days carved out, birthdays, anniversaries, first day of school, last day of school, vacations, holidays, and maybe other days as well. Friends, we block out days that mean something to us. We block out time to remind us of something that's important. And friends, Christmas is much of the same. Uh, There is a pastor I know of who's in his mid to late 40s, and he said that when he was a kid, One way he would psych himself up, so kids, you might like this. One thing he would psych himself up every Christmas season was the day after Thanksgiving, he began to tell himself, tack, tack, tack. Remember, tack. What does tack mean? It's the acronym for think about Christmas. Think about Christmas. Christmas, because Thanksgiving's over and Christmas is coming. Think about Christmas. Well, in the same way, as Christians, we should adopt this acronym of TAC as well. Think about Christ. Think about Christ. We should think about who he is. We should think about where he came from. We should think about what he's done for us in salvation. Friends, we should be thinking about the day he's promised to return. If we think about Christmas totally removed from thinking about Christ, friends, we are left with unfulfilling anticipations. We are going to live a sad and disappointing and unfulfilled life because Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. You know, it's the most wonderful time of the year, as the Christmas song goes, can actually be a reminder of some of the most difficult aspects of our year if Jesus isn't the primary focus of our life. Author Stephen Roberts summarizes for what he believes is a less idealistic approach to Christmas and a more realistic approach as we as Christians should think about Christmas. He says this, Christmas is often filled with regret, especially when we compare the hallmark idea with the realities of life in a broken world. It shines a bright light on paths that are often filled with trauma, the gaping wounds where love once was or should have been, 
and the hardships nibbling at us in the present. Friends, I don't know what you've experienced this past year, but chances are somewhere down deep, you're hoping for something good to happen in your life. You're hoping to turn the corner and God's going to kind of give you an easy up, give you a breather. I don't know what you're looking for to bring you hope in your life, bring you encouragement for your life. But I want to encourage you, tack. Remember tack. Think about Christmas and think about Christ. God the Son came to live with us and die for us so that we might be saved from our sin. God the Son came to give us the second birth so that we might see his glory. Whatever you're anticipating in life today, whatever you anticipated in 2021 but didn't come true, and whatever you're anticipating to happen next year, remember tack. Think about Christ. God was faithful to fulfill his promise in Christ's first coming. And he will be faithful to his promise to make us like Jesus as we wait on Christ's second coming. Let's pray. Father, we are called to set our minds on things above where Christ is, seated at your right hand. Lord, in the midst of a busy and exciting and sometimes stressful and maybe even unfulfilling season of Christmas, I pray that we would remind one another to think about Christ. Lord, I ask that your spirit would honor the preaching of your word by helping us see Christ in all his glory. See him as marvelous. See him as precious. Father, we praise you that you have sent the light into the world, and we who have come to the light find that it is the safest, most beautiful, and the most peaceful place to be. Lord, I pray that would be true for everyone in this building. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.